You are listening to the Brady Farkas Show podcast. Thanks to Sticks and Stuff and Swanton Lumber. You can always listen to the show live weekdays from 5.30 to 7 p.m. on WDEV AM and FM and streaming at WDEVradio.com. You can text in your thoughts 24-7 at 802-585-3026. That's 802-585-3026. The following is a presentation from WDEV Radio. Fast paced. Good at running back, good at receiver, good at tight end, better defense, elite coaching. Stop telling me the Patriots can't win. Opinionated. I don't do lists. They are worthless. Stop bringing them to me and stop getting invested in them. To the point. It might finally be time to admit I was wrong. The Red Sox are not going to finish fourth in the division. It's the Brady Farkas Show on WDEV AM, FM, and WDEVradio.com. What's up, everybody? Welcome in. Brady Farkas Show here on a Tuesday on WDEV AM and FM and WDEVradio.com. We are going to need a new intro by tomorrow. We are going to need a new intro by tomorrow. I don't know that the Red Sox are going to finish in fourth like I thought for much of this season. But I also know this. After what we saw earlier today in game one against the Yankees, the Red Sox don't deserve to go to the playoffs. They might get there, but they don't deserve it. What we saw earlier today was completely unacceptable. And it was embarrassing. And it was unacceptable on multiple fronts. And the Red Sox are now, shockingly, one game ahead of the Yankees. One game ahead of the Yankees heading into game two tonight at the doubleheader. The Red Sox are tied with the A's in the wildcard chase. They are one game ahead of the Yankees in the wildcard chase. And therefore, one game ahead in the division. Completely embarrassing what we saw today on multiple levels. Now, this is a short show. This is only a half an hour show. So I encourage you to vent with me on the Napa Morrisville, Napa Waterbury text line, 802-585-3026. But we've only got a half an hour to do it. And that is probably a good thing for my sanity because I may blow a gasket if I had to talk for a full 90 minutes today. Completely putrid. What we saw transpire between 105 and 430. I I don't know where we want to start in this, okay? I don't know where we want to start in this. The Sox lose 5-3. Let's get the semantics out of the way. The Sox lost 5-3, and again, they're now only one game ahead of the Yankees, and they are now tied in the the wild card with the Oakland Athletics. Look, we we still got to do the usual thing. I'm so disheveled, I'm forgetting our usual process to the show. Let's go. Five, four, three, two, one. And here we go. The opening thoughts on the Brady Farkas Show are brought to you by Sticks and Stuff and Swanton Lumber, Vermont's most complete locally owned home center. With locations in Enosburg, Derby, Middlesex, St. Albans, and at Swanton Lumber, they're online at sticksandstuff.com. That was as brutal a loss as I can remember this season. There may be a more, you know, a more embarrassing loss somewhere over the course of the last 120 games. Someone can go and remember it off the top of their head. But for me, right now, in the moment, that feels like the biggest gut punch in a singular game in the season. 
The losses to Toronto just a couple of weeks ago, those were horrible. Getting pummeled by the Tigers a couple of times, that was horrible. Getting beat by Texas in a series, that was bad earlier in the year. But this game feels like the biggest gut punch of the season. Toronto was bad also. Maybe that maybe we're uh, running 1-1A one one with those. But that was a horrible loss today. And again, it was bad on multiple fronts. The Red Sox were down 2 nothing. showed character and heart, came back tied at a 2. Showed character and heart again, took the lead 3-2 on a Christian Vasquez homer. And then the bullpen decided to walk the ballpark. Guys who have been your go-to guys all year couldn't find the strike zone. The bullpen imploded. And then the offense, which is supposed to be the calling card of this team, loaded the bases with nobody out in the last inning and could not score. When you have bases loaded and nobody out, you are supposed to score multiple runs, not just one. You're supposed to get multiple runs. And in that scenario, down 5-3, bases loaded, nobody out, multiple runs would have at least tied you the game, if not given you the lead. Completely embarrassing. We'll start with the relievers first. Okay, The relievers couldn't throw a strike. Six walks combined in the fifth and sixth innings. Garrett Whitlock, Josh Taylor, Hansel Robles. Six walks combined in the fifth and sixth innings. And in Whitlock and Taylor's case, those are guys that you have counted on and those are guys that you have relied on. That's the pitching side. And again, bases loaded, nobody out in the seventh inning, and Travis Shaw gets, you know, he flies out to left. And then you get Kike Hernandez, who's been hot for you for a month and a half, and Hunter Renfro coming to the plate, and they both decide to do the exact same thing. The Wiser gets set, he throws. Swing and a miss, he struck him out. Slider, and they're two down. That was Kike, who, by the way, Kike Hernandez had a 3-0 count to work with. Bases loaded, one out, 3-0 count, and he proceeds to strike out. Fails to even put the ball in play, and Hunter Renfro does the exact same thing one batter Another later. 2 Swing and a miss, he struck him out. Ball game over. Red Sox load the bases in the final inning and do not score. And New York has taken one game of this doubleheader by the final of 5-3. to three. I, I, I don't get this game on multiple fronts. Like, there's the performance side of things. Like, how is Whitlock, who's been so locked down all year, unable to find the strike zone? How is Ta- – by the way, Taylor, over the last couple of weeks, has been not particularly good. I mean, he's been horrible over the last couple of weeks. I mean, he, was, he had a, what, 19-game straight scoreless streak. Once that got scrapped – He's been garbage. So guys that have carried you regress today, and in Taylor's case, he's regressed for a while now. And then the offense, I mean, I, Travis Shaw pinch hit for Bobby Dahlbeck in the ninth. Travis Shaw hasn't had a big league at bat since June 9th. I was questioning Alex Cora in the moment about putting Travis Shaw in in that situation. I know he's left-handed. I know you want to play the matchups, but he hasn't had a big league at bat since August 9th. And then, hey, go out and hit 100, as opposed to Dahlbeck, who's actually swung the bat well, especially by Dahlbeck standards over the last, you know, since August, maybe the last two and a half weeks or so. 
I didn't get bringing Shaw in in the moment. I don't get what happened to the bullpen, and I don't get how guys couldn't make contact. How can you not make contact with the bases loaded and one out? Kike Hernandez, you are a leadoff hitter. Now, I don't want to bag on Kike because, again, he's been great, and he started off games with homers, and he has power. By the time it's all said and done, he may hit 20 home runs. But you are a leadoff hitter. Put the ball in play. Get on base. The game turned on its head then. When Kike struck out, the game turned on its head. Because Renfro is not a contact hitter. He's a power hitter. Kike should be a contact hitter in that situation, and he wasn't. And the team failed to execute. And this was a Red Sox team that for several months won. They won all the games that they essentially weren't supposed to win, right? They were getting no hit by the Yankees in July and come back and win with four or five in the eighth. The the four wild pitches the Yankees threw. The, The Red Sox were winning all of the games they shouldn't have won earlier in the year, and now they are blowing the games they're supposed to win. That can't happen. If you are going to get to the playoffs, you have to shut the door when you have the chance. And the Red Sox haven't done it lately. They couldn't do it in Toronto, and they couldn't do it today. They had this game won. 3-2 in the fifth of a seventh inning game should be a win. And it wasn't. Earlier in the year, they win all the games they're not supposed to, and the bullpen was dominant. And now, when they need to close games out, they're failing to do so. And it may cost them not only the number one seed, not only the division crown, it may cost them the number one wild card seed and at least a home game in the playoffs, and if it really continues, it may cost you a playoff berth entirely. That's what's at stake here. You do this a couple of more times, and you miss the playoffs. And that's going to be on, you know, nobody else but the players. That's going to be on nobody else but the players. I was listening to Lou Merloni uh, earlier. This was before the game, actually. Lou was talking about the bullpen, and the bullpen blew it today. Here was Lou on the bullpen. This was actually yesterday. I don't hear about bullpen death. When you acquire bullpen arms that you have no confidence to bring in when you're leading in a game, like a high-leverage spot, then you, you haven't acquired a bullpen arm. You can go get anybody to bring in a blowout. What's the difference between Rios and Robles other than a little bit of service time? Nothing. So basically, Lou there is saying that High and Bloom didn't do enough and he you know, got bad guys to be in the bullpen. That's what he's saying. He hates Robles and he hates Austin Davis. That's fine. I want to fight back on that point, though. They did acquire bullpen depth. All depth means is more bodies. They acquired, By the definition, they acquired bullpen depth. They acquired additional pitchers, okay? What Lou is mad about is they didn't acquire impact arms. I'm not here to blame High and Bloom. I'm really not. I don't think this is High and Bloom's fault. If this team collapses, I think it's going to be largely on the shoulders of these players, who, frankly, I never believed were that good until about mid-July, and now it's blowing up in my face. If the Red Sox fail, it's going to be largely on the shoulders of these players and not on high and bloom. 
Who is Lou looking for them to get? Craig Kimbrell? The White Sox gave up an everyday starting infielder and a good relief arm currently in their bullpen to go get Craig Kimbrell. You don't have that. Who are you looking for them to get? What impact arm was out there for you to get? Really nobody that you could afford and would be willing to part with stuff for. I mean, did you even need, at the time, a high-leverage bullpen arm? I don't know. First half of the season, the Red Sox were first in the major leagues in hold, holds, fifth in bullpen wins, and eighth in bullpen ERA. They'd been pretty good. Did you need a high-leverage arm? The, the, the guys who were here were doing it. Robles and Davis, they're brought in, as far as I'm concerned, for depth to just basically protect against injury. Remember, there was no August trade deadline this year. Like, who you had in July was who you were rolling with. So were you really going to bring in guys to supplant who you had? No, you were going to bring in extra bodies to protect against injury, which is what the Red Sox did. Yes, I would have liked better players than Robles and Davis, but you know, I kind of get it. I don't think this falls on high and bloom. This falls on the players. Garrett Whitlock's been great all year. He wasn't great today. That's on him. That's not on Heimbloom. Josh Taylor was pretty good all year. Goes on the COVID list for a day or two. He struggled for the last couple of weeks. That's not on Heimbloom. That's on him. The bases are loaded and nobody is out. And nobody can make contact. That's not on Heimbloom. That's on the players. What we saw today was completely unacceptable. Jack, part-time Jack, who's not here today, he texts me and says, Hey, Brady, go out and hit 100 miles an hour like it's no big deal. They're major league players. I'm not asking them to hit grand slams 410 feet. I'm asking them to not swing and miss at pitches that aren't strikes, which is what Kike Hernandez did. The 3-1 pitch that Kike Hernandez swung at was not even close to the zone. Be a leadoff hitter. Take the walk. The guy is behind you 3-0, gets back to 3-1, and throws a pitch that almost hits you, and you swing. So, you're right. I can't go out and hit 100 miles an hour, but those guys can. And you know what? I didn't ask him to hit it 700 feet. I'd asked him to not strike out, and that's what two guys did. It's the Brady Farkas Show on WDEV, AM and FM, and WDEVradio.com. And Jack's just doing this to get under my skin because there's no way as a Red Sox fan he can walk out of that game thinking anything but it was an embarrassing loss, and it was. We will do it all again, 6.05 with the pregame show, 7.05 first pitch. Sox, if they lose, will be tied with the Yankees both in the wild card race and in the division. And that would be a shame considering how good the Red Sox were for three and a half months of this season and how underwhelming the Yankees were, frankly, for three and a half months. When we come back, I want to move to the Patriots. One of my favorite Patriots insiders, one of the best Patriots insiders said something today that I completely hate. I'll tell you what that is next on DEV. The Brady Farkas Show now has an interactive text line, so reach out now at 802-585-3026. Now it's back to the Brady Farkas Show on WDEV AM, FM, and WDEVradio.com. Welcome back in. Brady Farkas show right here on WDEV AM and FM and WDEV radio.com. I'm trying to get happier here. I'm trying to get happier. 
I'm not thinking about the Red Sox for the next 10 minutes. I'll give you the Red Sox lineups for game two of the doubleheader with the Yankees at about 6.03 in about 15 minutes. But I want to move over to the Patriots. Patriots talk generally makes me happy, although what I'm about to talk about doesn't make me very happy. So interestingly enough, Tommy Curran of NBC Sports Boston, who is arguably the best Patriots reporter on the beat, and one of my favorites, I really value a lot of what he says. He said something today that really gets under my skin about the Patriots. And I will play the quote in a second, but before I do, let me preface this all with this. If you are someone who is just yearning for Patriots past and the past only, then you are missing some potentially great things. If you are only looking at the Patriots and wondering how can we get back what we had, you are doing it wrong. Curran was on today on SiriusXM with former NFL punter Pat McAfee, a widely popular The Pat McAfee Show. He said now, Curran did, that he thinks things are trending towards Mac Jones being the starter week one for the Pats. Listen to what he had to say. Yeah, it does, Pat. We continue to say, and I said, look, it's going to have to be probably a knockout by Mac Jones to win. Cam has to play badly. Mac Jones has to play beautifully. I'm starting to think more and more that it could be won on points by Mac Jones because Cam's not playing badly. It's just Mac Jones every day looks more and more like a quarterback in the Patriots offense than Cam. So every day, Mac Jones looks more and more like a quarterback in the Patriots offense than Cam does. That's quote one that I hate. And quote two that I hate is the follow-up to that from Curran. Now, it's not, again, to say that Cam has been bad, but the offense looks more similar to what the Patriots have created over 20 years when Mac Jones is directing it. It's one read, next read, next read. With Cam, it's oftentimes one read, next read, gun it. So, again, he doubles down. And what Tom Curran is telling you is this. The Patriots' offense looks more like the Pats' with Mac Jones. And I think this is independent of Cam Newton and Mac Jones to me. This is more about philosophy, and that's why I hate it. What he's telling you is that the Pat is that Mac Jones works better for the Patriots because he looks and plays more like Tom Brady out there. That's what Tom Kern's telling you. It looks like it used to look with Mac Jones, and I just hate that. If you are stuck looking back towards the past and thinking that that is the only way to succeed, you are wrong. The guy who is hung up on his ex-girlfriend forever is missing some potential great possibilities out there in the world. If you, if you, if you break up with a girl and you spend your whole life trying to find her again, how many people, how many potential matches are you blowing off and missing out on? And how many great experiences are you missing out on? The answer, a lot. And that's what Tom Curran is telling you to do as a Patriots fan. Root for Mac Jones because it looks like it used to look. I don't need it to look like it used to look. I want the results that the Patriots used to have, but there's many different ways to get those results. Good teams can evolve. Good systems can evolve and can change. And you know what? Really good coaches 
are capable of coaching in multiple systems. Within the same year, the 49ers went from Alex Smith to Colin Kaepernick. New offense, got to the Super Bowl. Coaches shifted on the fly. Alex Smith, Colin Kaepernick, boom, playoffs, boom, Super Bowl. On the fly, they did it. They didn't try to make Colin Kaepernick solely into Alex Smith. The Baltimore Ravens, in season, went from Joe Flacco to Lamar Jackson. Different offense, different game plans. Boom, playoffs. Okay, You can't be stuck only playing one way. You can't be stuck thinking there is only one way to win a football game. Okay, The Chiefs, Alex Smith, Patrick Mahomes. I'm sure there's some basic tenets that are the same. Largely different offense. They've still found a way to win, and they've won pretty big. You can't just yearn for the past. You can win and evolve and do it in multiple schemes and in multiple ways with different personnel. And basically, Tom Curran is telling you that you, the Patriots, can only win if you play the way you played when Tom Brady was here. And I just don't buy that. I just don't buy that. Look, I've said this 7,000 times. Cam Newton's my guy. I want Cam Newton to be the starting quarterback for this team. If Mac Jones is truly the best quarterback, then he should start. If he's truly the best, I don't think he is, but if he is, he should start. And if Cam Newton is the best, truly, then he should start. And the teams will the team will look different based on who the quarterback is. Stop trying to Tom Curran make uh, you know make the team fit into this Tom Brady box. It's different. The personnel is different. The attitudes are different. The quarterbacks are different. We don't have to do everything the exact way that it was done. I how many people sitting in their car listening right now or maybe listening on the podcast version later? How many people are sitting in their car and they've been at their job for a while? And they've done something that worked, but then they've evolved and they've done something else that also works. The answers are, if you work at a good company, probably a lot of you. WDEV was working swimmingly before Rick Singeri and Brady Farkas got here. Okay, WDEV is still working now that Rick Singeri and Brady Farkas are here. And it will continue to work if we weren't here. Good companies find a way to succeed in different scenarios, with different venues. They can go in different avenues, and the Patriots can too. And Tom Curran's basically telling you that Mac Jones needs to play because it looks like it used to. Stop being the guy who's looking to replicate what you had with the X. The X has moved on. You need to also. I said yesterday I thought the Patriots should have drafted Justin Fields. If the Patriots did draft Justin Fields, they're not playing the exact same way that Tom Brady did. They'd have a whole different section of the playbook open. And you know what? People would be excited about that. They wouldn't want Justin Fields to have to play the way that Tom Brady did. You'd be excited about the new possibilities. Before all the legal stuff happened, Patriots fans were excited about the idea of the team trading for Deshaun Watson. If the team actually did trade for Deshaun Watson, they'd be playing a different way than they did with Tom Brady. 
Sure, there's some crossover. Sure, there's some tenants that are the same, but the team would be different. Times change, people change, coaches can change, everyone can grow, and the Patriots are no different. If the Mac Jones-led team is the best avenue for this team, then fine. But if Cam Newton is the best avenue for this team, don't try to make Cam Newton into the Tom Brady offense. He's not going to be. He will do his own. There will be a different playbook than was here in 2001 through 2019, and that's okay. They can both win. Again, look around the NFL. Look, teams change coordinators, and they change offensive styles all the time, and they're successful. The Patriots can also change their style of offense to fit who their quarterback is. You need to fit to your personnel. And the Patriots, if Cam is the guy, will be just fine fitting to Cam. It's the Brady Farkas Show on WDEV AM and FM and WDEVradio.com. Random texter says, I'm looking forward to dinner jazz tonight. I don't know if that's a shot at me because you don't like my show or what, but usually this texter says nice things to me. So, Or if it's just a true message about liking Dinner Jazz, in which case I have bad news, Dinner Jazz is not on today. More Red Sox baseball. Game two, doubleheader, 6.05 pregame show, 7.05 first pitch. But I would like to know if that's a shot at me, a shot at the Red Sox, or if you're truly just looking forward to Dinner Jazz and now you're sad that it's not on. That's what I'm... I, I would like to know the answer to that. Um, I am very excited, as always, for, for Patriots football on Thursday. I think it will be fascinating to see what happens. Okay, We're going to have a full show on Thursday, and we can really kind of get into everything and what we know by the time the show happens. Who's starting? How much is everybody playing? Who's playing with the ones? Who gets reps with the ones? I think that stuff matters, and I think it's fun to break it down. So I'm looking forward to Thursday football, Patriots and Eagles, and we're learning some stuff here out of these joint practices. By all accounts today, both Mac Jones and Cam Newton had good days, but it was kind of uh, kind of a not as intense day as yesterday. Pats did a lot of red zone stuff. Cam can shine in the red zone in the run game. They didn't really run it a lot. It was a lot of passing stuff there. So both guys were good. They threw a lot of check downs and uh, – you know, it was nothing real deep over the top, so nothing really crazy. That texture comes back in. Brady, you're awesome. The socks are bumming me out. Dinner jazz would have been a good break. Well, then in that case, it does seem sincere. I apologize if I got defensive. The Red Sox have me all up in a tizzy today. They're bumming me out too. No relief from us for us, though. Dinner jazz, not happening today. Red Sox baseball, game two. Nathan Nivaldi is going to be on the mound. We will have the lineups for you on the other side of the CBS National News Update. The show is brought to you by uh, Evan Holstrom Racing. We've got Thunder Road Racing coming up on Thursday here on DEV. Evan does not race at Thunder Road often, but he was the youngest ever to qualify for the Vermont Milk Bowl. He uh, races in the Pro All-Star Series for the Super Late Models, so you can check him out at evanholstromracing.com. That's evanholstromracing.com. Red Sox lineups, game two. Seems like it's a must win. That's next here on DEV. Ask Dell and do more with modern devices and Windows 10 Pro. Think you know sports better than Brady does? Text in with your thoughts at 802-585-3026. Now it's back to the Brady Farkas Show on WDEV AM, FM, and WDEV Radio.com. 
Red Sox baseball coming up again here in 90 seconds from now. So we turn the page on to game two. Sox lose game one, 5-3. One game up on the Yanks right now in both the wild card chase and the AL East race. Both teams, though, chasing Tampa in that one. All right, Red Sox baseball lineups coming up right now. The Sox are 69 and 52. The Yanks are 67 and 52. The two teams are tied in the loss column. Nathan Devaldi pitches for Boston 10 and 7. The rookie Luis Heal 1 and 0 with a 0 ERA pitches for the Yanks. Kike Hernandez leads off at second. Alex Verdugo's in left. Xander Bogarts is the shortstop. Rafael Devers is at third. JD Martinez is in right. Kyle Schwarber's the DH. Kevin Ploiecki is the catcher. Jaron Duran's in center. And Travis Shaw is at first. For the Yanks, DJ LeMahieu at second, Brett Gardner in center, Aaron Judge the DH, Joey Gallo's in left, Giancarlo Stanton is in right, Rugnet Odor is at third, Luke Voigt's at first, Tyler Wade is at shortstop, and the catcher is Kyle Higashioka. Again, Sox come in at 69 and 52, the Yankees 67 and 52. First pitch from the Bronx comes up one hour and one minute from now. Pre-game show, begins in 10 seconds. The Brady Farkas Show podcast is available on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Just search for us there. We'll see you tomorrow, everybody, right here on WDEV AM and FM. Go Sox!